let's go back just a little bit to this whole brain idea. We talked about two different kinds of temper tantrums, kind of a um, upstairs temper tantrum, um, let me go to the next slide, and a downstairs temper tantrum. The upstairs temper tantrum is the decision to make, a, to have a temper tantrum that the child knows full well what he's doing. Um, but especially in some very young children, I, I was kind of fascinated because I thought I had seen some unex, some temper tantrums that didn't fit the this. I'm going to do it because I'm going to see what I can get by. This is the one that happens at the grocery store <laughs> because they're going to have that toy and they know you're vulnerable. Um, but anyway, occasionally um, there are temper tantrums that are more um, kind of just what he says is downstairs, this kind of gut fear response. And you don't want to give in to that. You don't want to say, okay, honey, I'm sorry, That's we'll, we'll go get ice cream. But you might want to handle it uh, with a little bit more support and um, comfort, still being firm, we're still not going to do whatever it is. Uh, but this one's a little bit more explained. Part of what I want to talk about too though is for the older child, and somebody asked what a temper tantrum looked like with a 10 year old, and that's where they just are furious and lose it. What we want to do is to point them to that upstairs brain. That's the reasoning, that's the understanding, that's the logical, that's a little bit more sane. And, and especially for an older child, I think you can say things like, I, you are really angry, you are really disappointed, this is so not what you were expecting. But help them are there ways that we can process this? And your child may, be, may need a little space. They may not be able to do it right then, but maybe you can go back to that. Let's think about, and even helping them think about what they can do when they're really, really angry. And we talked also last week briefly about his advice about move it or lose it. In other words, physical exertion often helps when you're very angry. That's true of adults as well as children. Um, I had a son with a, considerable temper at from um I'll tell you later about how kind of long we dealt with it which was interesting because his father has none at all we've been married 50 years I've seen Fletcher mad once and it was so out of character that I just kind of sat there with my mouth open um it had to do with him trying to rush which is just a behavior that's not in his repertoire and that's what happened when he got so angry but um Douglas did have anger and you know one one of the ways that he learned to do I mean I said you, you can you can't hit your sisters but you can come in and you can bang on that pillow or you can bang on that mattress as long as you want to we're not going to throw things but you can do that and and he needed to do that that getting that out that physical response is often very helpful um, and then he talks about engage, don't enrage, appealing to that upstairs brain. Now, again, remember that dichotomy we have of the authoritarian, authoritative parent. The authoritarian parent is just going to say, get over it. I'm in charge. This is what I said we were going to do. Get over it. But the authoritative parent is going not to change their mind and say, oh, it's okay, honey. I didn't really mean that you couldn't have what it is that you wanted. But um, I understand that this makes you angry. I understand that this is a disappointment. I understand that you have strong feelings. These are some, could we talk about ways to deal with that? Could we talk about 
let me give you a little bit more explanation. Helping the child bring it upstairs as opposed to that just gut, I'm mad, I'm going to flail out. Does that make sense? And especially the older the child is, I think the more you want to do this. Because remember, this is your chance to teach them why you have come up with this unexplainably bizarre, hurtful rule um, that they are so upset about. And I say that flippantly, um, but that is how they're feeling, that, that this is unfair and whatever. Okay, I love these particular observations about punishment. It's from a book called Positive Discipline by Jane Nelson. It's a very old book. I'm not even sure it's still available, but I love this. She says that if punishment is not respectful and reasonable, and again, think of that model. The authoritarian, may, it may be the right decision and the right punishment, but because the authoritarian parent is not likely to share any of that, the child has more trouble understanding that it is reasonable and respectful, then these are what you risk. Resentment. I can't trust you to be fair with me. So if your punishment reflects more about how bad your day was than what the child has actually done, that's, that's where you are. And I would suggest that punishment that is overly severe makes it very difficult for a child to be honest and confess. Um, I learned a lot about dealing with discipline when I was a principal of an elementary school. And something that I came to realize for me was very important was in the midst of the incident and dealing with it. And there were children that I probably saw once or maybe twice in their school career. There were other children that I saw on a little bit more regular basis. Those children often didn't feel this, but these that didn't come in, to, weren't sent to the office very often, were often just mortified. They were embarrassed. What is my mother going to think? I never thought I would end up in the principal's office. They were distraught. And the temptation to lie, to say, I didn't do that, is enormous. And so I developed, for me, the first thing that I was going to deal with was that temptation to lie. And I said, you know what? I bet you really wish you could go back and maybe make some different choices. I bet this is not what you really wanted to happen. But I also bet that right now you're really wishing it hadn't happened. And it's going to be really tempting not to want to tell me the truth about what it is. But more than anything else right now, I want you to talk, we need to talk about what is really the truth. I mean, I just feel like you've got to say that. Now, I'm saying that because, frankly, to me, truth was way up there. And it was with my children. I think I told some of you what we had a foster, a teenage foster daughter that lived with us when our children were very young. She had lived in an abusive situation. And truth to her was ever whatever it was that she needed to say not to get in trouble or not to get hit. She had no concept of truth. She would lie about something that didn't matter. And I thought, oh, it is terrifying to have a teenager who you can't trust. And so for me, truth was real high up on my 
what's important to me in my relationship with my children. So again, if we're if if the consequences are so severe, then it's going to be really hard for the child to be truthful and to be confessional. And ultimately, that's what you want. Resentment, I can't trust you to be fair. Revenge, I'll get back. My day will come. And I'm sorry, but that's true. And sneakiness, I won't get caught next time. I'm not sorry for what I did. I just will take it underground. I'll be sure that you don't find out next time. Okay. Now, I keep talking about being reasonable and respectful, and if you're not careful, you're going to lie. You will make, she's just a pushover. She doesn't believe in discipline at all. I really assure you, I was a fairly tough disciplinarian, and I believe in that. I believe in being very firm. I believe in the parent being in charge, but there's a way to be in charge. Okay? Questions? Oh, the last one, I'm sorry. Reduce self-esteem. I must be a bad person. We're going to talk about that one in greater length on this one. I don't know if you've read any of, is it Brietta Brown's books about shame? There's some really interesting concepts. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit because this is part, this, this relates to theology. This is where we are. Um... I think guilt has gotten a bad rap. I think guilt has a place. When I do something unkind, I should feel guilty. Because what should guilt cause me to do? Change. Address the situation. Apologize. Make it right. Restitution. That's what guilt is for. I think God gives us guilt. But I don't think he gives us shame. And I think the difference is guilt has an answer. It's something I can do, I can change, I can address. Does that mean that I make this mistake and I feel guilty and I never do it again? Of course not. But it means I can work on it. But shame is something that's kind of pervasive. It, it kind of penetrates me and I can never get rid of it. It's, it's the stain that soaks in and it... It, it means I'm kind of a bad person. And I think that's what we want to be really careful of. So, again, just watch your language. I don't think any of you think your children are bad people. Um, but you want to say, you made a bad decision, not you are a rotten kid. Okay? Now, you are going to say sometimes, you made a bad decision... And your child is going to hear, I hear, I'm a bad child. And so it's our job to continue. In fact, I had a parent just the other day talk about that she said something. She said to the child, I'm disappointed that you made this decision. And the child quoted her back as, you're always disappointed in me. Is that what she said? No. But that's kind of an ongoing, and frankly, I even think the child said that because she wanted her mother to remind her that she wasn't really disappointed in her, that she was just sad about the particular behavior. Um, this, you're a bad, a bad decision and a bad person difference, is, comes from Rubio, and he's, he's dealt with some kids that are really struggling with senses of shame, and I think he feels very passionately about that's a 
that's just a burden and we, we would like to be as careful as we could be about that. Questions? Okay. Cautions about spanking. I am not willing to spend a whole lot of time on this. If this is some, I, I'm not, this is, it, Josh makes a reference this morning about something being a hill he's willing to die on. Not spanking is not a hill that I'm willing to die on. My parents spiked me. I spanked my first child, not because she was more difficult, just because that's what I thought parents did. I came to decide that for me, spanking was rarely the best choice, and I didn't spank um, my second children at all. The reason that I felt like it was not a good choice for me, remember I told you I'm the one that reacted too quickly to children. I wasn't ever afraid that I was going to harm my children by hurting, physically hurting them with spanking. But I did decide that by choosing not to spank, I had to think more intentionally about what I was correcting and how I was correcting and what the punishment was going to be. If you decide that spanking is something that you want to do, I've got some cautions. Um, because it's easy to use spanking when you're angry, just be really careful about that. Um, Statistically, spanking is associated with children having more negative images of themselves. I have not seen anything in terms of the authoritarian, authoritative parent, but it would seem logical to me that the authoritarian parent <coughs> would be more likely to use spanking. Um, spanking risks generating fear uh, as opposed to respect. And I think it can especially be confusing to a child to be spanked as a punishment for his aggression. That just seems a little too much like repeating the very behavior, modeling the behavior that you don't want him to do. So again, I just caution you. I will especially caution you that if you are going to spank, please limit it to very young children. I think there's some body image things that are very unhealthy with older children being spanked. and I, I just would caution you. When my oldest daughter had their child, and because but the, even though I did spank her a little bit when she was little, she has no memory of that, um, she wasn't comfortable. And she'd worked in daycare when you don't spank in, in daycare, and she didn't want them spanking. Her husband went along with it, but his parents had been big spankers. They had raised three big boys, and spanking was clearly a part of their agenda. And they were just horrified. They just were sure that all of their children were going to end up, you know, delinquent because they weren't spanking. Um, and that is probably a, that is a bigger conversation that we will have because you may well be choosing intentionally some different methods than you were raised with or that your parents are comfortable with. And I would encourage you to think about it carefully, to pray about it, to talk about it. But to have the confidence to raise the child, God's given it to you, that responsibility. And there is more ways, more ways than one to do some of this. Okay. Right, here we go. All right. What doesn't work? Labeling accidents or even carelessness as disobedience. Yes. 
before you leave Spain, um, I would also say that in my experience, how it varies, it varies based on child as well. Um, with our first son, he just didn't respond to spanking. So we shifted the way we would handle punishments to something that he would respond more to. And that has worked out a lot better. Yeah. But then our second and our third one are completely different. So they're sex. Um, and I, I think you, I, I would be much more comfortable too when spanking is used. It's really hard to teach a two-year-old not to run in the street. And so when you get to some safety issues, I, I, I get that. So I, 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 like I said, that's, that's not a hill that I'm willing to die on. I just would have some cautions there. Okay, if it's an accident, it's an accident. It may be frustrating, but it's not a kind of occasion for discipline. My husband is the most mellow person you ever met, but he does get a bit discombobulated when the kids would spill their milk at breakfast, which happened on a regular basis. But in our family, there was this lovely serendipity. He was like, oh, and I think part of this, he just doesn't like the mess. It just with almost perfect synchrony meant he would spill his coffee before the morning was over. <laughs> um, you just confuse things when you react as if it's disobedience when it's not, okay? Sippy cups are wonderful, make life easy for you. Drew turned over a Coke at the restaurant three times the other day and I thought, why are we letting the child fill the cup to the top? Why not three inches? He can go back as many times as he wants to. We set ourselves up for messes. So, um, Be very specific about you want what the desired behavior is. <laughs> Most parents and their three-year-olds don't define being good or being quiet or acting nice or cleaning up the room in the same way. My favorite story that I always tell when I get to this point is a life group story, Eric. It happened, uh, well, the child is probably 16 now, and he was about three. Our old married life group was meeting with a young married life group. It was quite wonderful, and there was one child. That was probably the problem because that one child, we were so busy talking, and he was a good kid, but he was a kid that was really curious and we pushed the envelope just a little bit and everything was really, we were just having a wonderful time visiting in the living room and in the kitchen. I thought, I haven't seen him for a while. And I went in the den and we have a real fireplace. Now, we didn't have a fire that night, thank goodness. But we had had several fires and there was a several inch layer of ash. And we have one of those old fashioned screens that has two holes for where the andirons fit in, but we don't have andirons, we just have a grate. And he had reached in for ash. And when I walked in the den, the carpet, the coffee table, part of the sofa, and this beautiful blonde-headed, toe-headed blonde child was gray from the top of his head to the bottom of his toes. And I got <laughs> um, I, I, I really was terrified that that ash was going to get in his eye and be terribly painful. His mother was mortified, but had anybody ever told him not? I mean, it was grand fun, you can imagine. I'm sure he had pulled it out. I mean, he had to have run it up. <laughs> Why wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't that be fun? That is not a punishable offense. 
I think it scared him so that we were so reactive for, for his own fear. And you know what? Did you know that Ash vacuums up beautifully? I mean, I, I mentally calculated the cost of recovering the sofa. But it vacuumed up beautifully. Um, when my children were young, we, we were in a swim club, and we swam a lot in the summer for, for fun. And the rule was you came home, you went in your room, you put on dry clothes, and you brought your swimsuit out to the patio to lay it out to dry. And Douglas just couldn't remember. He just couldn't remember. And I kept finding the wet swimsuit. So finally I said, okay, buddy, I've, you know, we've talked about this. I've reminded you this has got to happen. And if it doesn't happen next time and I find the wet swimsuit on the carpet, then there is going to be a consequence. I don't want to do that, but I, I've got to have you remember this. So the next time we come home and... Sure enough, I don't find the wet swimsuit. It's out where it's supposed to be. I wasn't very observant as we came home because the next time we came home, as we walked through the back porch, he took that swimsuit off right there. We back up to all of Arden Place's condos. He put it right there. I had made my point well about swimsuit. I had needed to teach a little bit more about modesty. Um, don't harass your child for an explanation. He doesn't know why he does that all the time. And please don't ask him to promise that he'll never do it again. Children don't understand that. And if you promise you never do it again and you're likely to do it, then you just kind of negate the value of promise. Okay, other questions? Yes? Um, so our middle child who often wants attention, um, and I do think about 90% of whatever he does is always attention but he has a lot of food accidents and kind of depending on what mood mommy and daddy are in will affect how we react to this carelessness that only happens as soon as we have just turned our back or you know kind of uh-oh look what I did you know kind of <laughs> attitude or whatever okay push it through so how do different reactions on mom and dad's part play into this um, we, we never seem to curb the behavior very much, for sure, whenever <laughs> we try. Um, and, you know, we're gritting our teeth, here's your towel, you're old enough to clean this up yourself now, like, maybe, you know, hopefully that will eventually... Oh, I think that's absolutely a whole year <laughs> of it. And it gets so much better. <laughs> Persistence is important. <laughs> and keeping, I mean, it's hard. You're so proud about it. But if you feed it with a lot of emotion, um, then you have rewarded the behavior. And, oh, get the towel and clean it up. Oh, I think that's a very good job. I think we need to clean that up a little bit more. Again, no emotion. And I think it's legitimate if you really think it's happening on purpose. Oh, I'm sorry. If you spilled the milk, I think it's going to go back and be kind of done with that for I think you've got to have a consequence to have some meat to it, but you can't reward it with, 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 with a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. cleaning, cleaning up is a really powerful way. Mm -hmm. Cleaning up can't be fun. You can't, again, cover so much and give so much attention to that that it's worth it. Um, and let me mention one more thing. 
Um, you will hear very different things from other people on this. I, I'm going to caution you to be careful in the area of sleeping and eating what battles you take on. You can't make a child go to sleep and they will prove to you that you can't make them go to sleep. You can make them stay in their room, but you can't make them go to sleep. And I would be careful about a whole lot of issues with, with, with food. Um, it's certainly legitimate to not serve dessert if we haven't eaten anything else. I'm not talking about that, but say you will eat this. Most of us have forced our children to eat something when they said they weren't hungry and had them throw up an hour later. And, I just think that a food battle is something you want to be cautious with. I really liked what Hal Runkin said about trying to have something that the child eat, likes to eat at every meal and fruit at any option, and we're not going to argue about it. Now, that doesn't work for, for a, a two-year-old. I get that. But as they get a little older, I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay, what else does not work? Anger, overreacting, screaming. Yes? happened this morning about the eating. I realized this morning after, I don't know, 30 minutes that I had told my 22-year-olds to eat like 90 times when they were sitting in their high chair. They couldn't go anywhere. And I realized that they never did eat, so now they just think that when I say eat, it just means maybe I'm hungry. I don't know. Oh, I, I think your point is perfect. I think that's exactly. Not say anything to something there I'm big on and they're still really young, but I, I mean, part of what you were doing, you wanted them to eat because you were going to get down and you had to get dressed and get to church. Is that, isn't that part? <laughs> exactly. I, I think it's very legitimate to say, we're leaving, you know, breakfast is over in five minutes. And they're just going to have to get hungry a time or two. And I know that's painful. And, <laughs> and it may not hurt them. I have grandchildren, that t especially grandsons, that do not like to wear coats. And they go out. I mean, one of them was in one of those Lipscomb programs at Christmas time that's all outside with Amy Grant and it's freezing. And they have on no coat. But you know, unless there's really a danger of frostbite, <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. I think, and, and again, these kids are middle school and high school. I think we let them do it. I mean, I just, um, th there are natural consequences. And if they're natural consequences, they'd rather be cold than wear a coat. So would you suggest that maybe, because I was thinking about this, instead of me saying eat and then, then disobeying by not eating, maybe me just saying, hey, if you don't, don't eat, you're going to have to be down in a minute. Yeah, well, and not even if, if, you know what, guys? Breakfast is over in 10 minutes, and I would give a warning. Oh, we got five more minutes, and then we're going to, we're done. Yeah, and they're not going to believe you at first. I mean, they're not, but after a while, they... Well, now you got to put the gummies up high. There's a solution to that. Uh, nagging and threatening. If you hear yourself say, I've told you ten times, then, yeah, you're nagging. I mean, and they're, they're not going to listen. And this is the other one, just excusing poor behavior. I know you get tired. I know that you just think, oh, I can't do this anymore. Um, but I... I, I, this is not the solution. It's not going to get, it's not going to go away because you pretend not, you don't notice it. Let me go back one more on the anger or overreacting or screaming. Um, you get low blood sugar sometimes. You are tired. You've had a bad day and you don't have as much in you. 
to deal with it. Um, I think it's highly appropriate. I like the model of saying, Mommy's really angry right now, and I need a timeout. I'm serious, and I am going to go and calm down, and then we're going to talk about this. I have friends that have a code between the mom and dad, and when one of them feels like they are not handling this well, I'm about to lose it, she says, I think I need some ice water. And that's the clue for dad to step in and begin to help with the situation. I'm all for that. Um, I think this mommy needing a timeout says that sometimes it is an effort to have good self-control. It's certainly an effort for children to have good self-control. Um, okay, I'm determined that we're going to do this. We're going to, yes? situations um sorry but um so one thing that we have a lot either way is um but especially if my wife is addressing one of them's poor behavior whatever it is and uh, and that one is responding back in a very disrespectful you know no mommy you go to your room you know whatever kind of tone um that is one button around me that will i will be in there i mean i will be at 10 on the volume in two seconds, uh, absolutely not, not acceptable. You never talk back to your mother that like that kind of just knee-jerk reaction or whatever. Um, so on the, the praise side, I'm like, yes, I'm backing up mommy, you know. But on the negative side, but I'm definitely in the anger, overreacting, borderline screaming, you know, type of frustration in that situation. Um, so it's you know kind of. You're right, it's complicated. It's, it's very complicated. And this is going to be a wonderful segue to what we're doing in about 30 seconds. Okay, a couple of things I want to put in. Uh, I think defiance is particularly hard to deal with uh, because it feels really personal. It usually is not very personal, but you do have to follow through. And you're going to follow through not because you're not going to talk to me that way. You're going to follow through because it is not good for that child to be allowed to talk to you that way. And there is a real difference here, okay? What we talk about bullying, it is as important for the bully that we not allow it to happen as it is for the child that he is bullying, okay? It is not in your child's best interest for him to have a pattern of disrespect, okay? I have an unpleasant memory, but I think I would do it again. I didn't know what else to do. Like I say, my son had a temper, and I can remember he would be sent to his room, and he'd say, I am not going to go. I'm not going to stay. And I remember picking him up and carrying him to the room and maybe not as gently as I should, <laughs> tossing him on the bed and grabbing the door and holding it for all I was worth. I am not proud of that. I wished I had known another way. But he, he was not going to do what he needed to do. And I felt like I had to follow through. So, what? so we've been there. Well, that's the reason I'm telling you, because I've been there, and he's a wonderful adult, okay? <laughs> now, I'm really serious about this. But I don't know the other way. Well, I'm not sure there is one. Well, in, in what you just described. I, I, I think you're right. That's the reason I did it. I didn't know another way. We had tried the other ways, and we were getting, I mean, at that point, he's just saying, I am not going to do it. 
And I feel like, and I, a part of it is that I could still pick him up at that point. If I wait until he's 12, I can no longer pick him up. And it's a whole more, much more complicated thing. Okay, I want you to divide yourselves up very quickly into about maybe three groups over here and about three groups over here. And then you all are going to discuss something that I think is really interesting and it fits perfect for tonight. So really quickly divide yourself up in about three groups. Quickly, everybody in your group, go around and introduce yourselves to the others. This is an actual email. I have changed the names. I saved this on purpose because I thought it got to the heart of so many things. And frankly, I thought the parent involved here was doing an extraordinary job of identifying those things. Taylor has started doing what, in my family growing up, was called backtalking. My parents, dad in particular, had no patience for this, and I, as the oldest of four, was probably the main culprit. Fast forward to today. I'm a successful attorney, probably in part because I have always been independent and willing to speak my mind. So I'm finding myself really struggling with how to handle Taylor's newly found habit of talking back to me. On the one hand, I don't think it's right for me to silence him, just because I am the parent and the authority figure. And I remember as a preteen and teenager being very resentful of my father for not being willing to simply hear my side of things. Obviously the dynamics are different here with a four and a half year old, but this is the soundtrack that's playing in my head. I'm worried that my pride is a motivating factor and that his back talking is bothering me for the simple fact that he is challenging my authority. I don't want to crush his spirit or teach him that his voice is not valuable and respected. But on the other hand, in order to survive in our culture, do well in school, form healthy relationships, etc., he has to understand that he doesn't always get to say exactly what he wants to say to whomever he wants to say it. Discuss. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
one minute before class is over tell me something interesting or what did you think give me give me some observations from what you talked about real quick fast consistency the importance of consistency okay I love that this parent knows that their behavior and their judgment is being influenced by tapes in their head and we've all got them um, I love, I don't want to do the chocolate. What else from you all? I heard something here I, I loved. I heard you say something about if, if I get to that point and I haven't done it well, I can apologize. And w we will talk much more about that. I think that's huge. Really our yes, 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 yes. And I'm not sure, but I'm not so sure that this parent's default might not be more indulgent because they don't like the back talk, but they're scared. I love the fact that they are embracing the possibility that this might be selfish or self-centered on my part. I don't think it is, but I think that's a really, really healthy piece to be considering. Anything else? Okay, we are going to try to move on and not spend forever in discipline. So we'll move on um, next, we'll do a little bit more in discipline next week and then we'll move on and we'll talk something about the emotional development of the children. Okay, have a good week.